Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I'm Chad Adams sitting in for Pete, who should be back uh, tomorrow. So, having said that, a lot going on out there, as you well know. We got the Fawny Willis uh, Nathan Wade trial, which is just, I, it's not, I don't know that it's a trial. It, it, it may result in Fonnie Willis not being able to prosecute Donald Trump. Watching that, if you ever want to have disdain, ah, that's going too far. It's going a little too far. If you want to have some disdain for the legal system, watch that. Because what you will see is it, it reminds you of the O.J. Simpson trial. And it, no, there's no issue. of It's not an issue of race here. It's an issue of uh, disgust. Uh, when, when you saw the way Johnny Cochran would split it, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. You know, it's this parsing of words. You know, when they ask Nathan Hale, do you have any receipts? And he says, no, I don't have any receipts. And then he equivocates when they, when they, they dig a little further and they're like, you know, when you talking about the receipts of the affair he had with his boss, who spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on him in the process of prosecuting Trump, it's a great way to make money, apparently. But they ask him about this, and he says, "I don't have the receipts." And he wasn't—he was being very deadpan serious. He's a lawyer; he's been a lawyer since 1999. That came up; he testified to that. So, as he's doing this, uh, they ask him if he has the receipts. He says no, and then the next question is kind of. Well, I had you know, but you signed this other thing saying that you were involved and you did travel with her. How do you, and 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 it comes out that he doesn't have receipts. What he has is credit card bills that he turned over to his accountant, who determined whether they were personal or business. That he bought, buys everything on credit cards and the student tuition, everything. So, so th- they spend five ten minutes getting to this reality. No, he doesn't have receipts. Yes, he has all the credit card bills for all those travels that are essentially receipts. But he doesn't call them receipts because the word receipt isn't there. It's a credit card bill. Thus, it's not a receipt. That's the kind of crazy, nutty reality that the legal system has before us now. And, 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 and it, it, it just it drives you nuts that we've reached a point where there's this massive parsing of words and I don't know where it'll end, but it 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 is frustrating to watch what you and I when, when we see it, we know it, we know what, what he's talking about, and the fact that they have to spend so much time getting down to it. So there's that. 704-570-1110. 704-570-1110, the phone number. If you would like to get in on the conversation, I am your happy and humble host sitting in for Pete Calendar, Chad Adams here at News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Now a lot to get through, some of which is, 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 is. Pete Buttigieg is in town, so all must be good in the world of transportation. The, the, the guy can make a, you know, they've decided that his entire job is just to give away money, so he's going to give away some money to update the Charlotte Douglas International Airport. A lovely airport, by the way, if you get a chance to travel through there. Not a, not a wonderful place to park, <laughs> but a lovely airport. Now, 
I did want to start. There's a number of things I want to get to today. I, I definitely want to get through. There's an assertion by the Iranians that they now own Antarctica. Uh, and who knows, John Kerry might fly a special flight down there and plant a flag for him. But that's a weird, kind of the weird story of the day. Uh, there's the equivalency. Someone ran the numbers and looked at the number of folks coming across the border and said, hey, that's the equivalent of 22 seats in the House. It's a a game changer as those matriculate into the society, and that's that's 22 House seats, the equivalent of in Congress. So there's that. We'll talk about the polling in North Carolina and why that is problematic for Josh Stein, the aspiring governor, attorney general. The, those poll numbers are a bit now they could change. Obviously, we're a long way from the election. Anything could happen between now and November, even if Biden is not the nominee. Uh, I think he well, anything could happen. So there's that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about how those numbers, if Trump polls us, if, if Trump pulls enough votes, there will be a, a complete and utter devastating effect for the Democrats in the Council of State. This is why the Democrats are connected to Biden. They've got to be, they could serve, they could, uh, they could be extremely successful even if Donald Trump wins the state, but Donald Trump has to win it by a small number. Here's the problem for Democrats. They're standing steadfast by Biden. They won't comment. The attorney general of this state wants you to believe he can protect you as your governor, but cannot acknowledge the structural weakness of the existing president. He's okay with the president and that type of leadership won't comment on it. You will not. They are standing steadfast. And Josh Stein has a secondary problem. His polling, apparently his consultants are telling him that he's not really relatable. I mean, Josh Stein was raised in a very elite world. He, he is as elite a son of privilege can be. And I'm not putting that down. Okay. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. The point is when you're an elite, the problem the Democrats have across the board is exactly what Josh Stein represents. There's an elite part of the Democrat party that wants to tell everybody else what to do like John Kerry and jet around and talk about global warming and you shouldn't have a car, but he's doing so much to save the planet. It's okay for him. And Josh Stein falls into this category. I mean, he's a Dartmouth guy. He's a Harvard grad. He was born in D.C. He's not really he went to Chapel Hill High, played soccer. Nothing wrong with that. But he's very. It's it's hard for him to relate to people in Columbus County, in in Scotland County, in the in the vast rural reaches of this county. So you'll notice that a lot of what he's talking about is I can relate. I can look at me. My my wife is from here. My kids. I they were born here. But Josh has been in a very elite family. He was prepared for an elite life. He he had all of those, and he's been in politics. He's been insulated from normal life his entire life. From birth till now, he's not an everyday North Carolinian. Again, not putting it down, but then he's but then you're faking it. You're acting. If you look at what he's promoting, he's trying to say, I'm just like you. He'll photograph himself going to Clingham Stone or, or uh, Grandfather Mountain or something and say, look, I'm one of you. Look, I touched a cow. He literally did. Put a tweet out there saying he touched a, he pet he petted a cow. I pet a cow. Look, I'm one of you. I'm just like you. <sighs> it's just it, it's just uh, that's where we are. It's it's image over accomplishment. It's image over everything else. And so the Republican primary, there's some of that going on too. You see. We're, we'll talk about that. Like, but uh, we will interview. We're actually going to interview one of the candidates that's running for superintendent of public instruction. A lot of the uh, the well, and that, her name's Michelle Moore. You may have heard of. She's running against Catherine Truett. Catherine Truett, the incumbent. Michelle Moore is out there, and this is an interesting race. 
there are even Democrats that are pushing for Catherine Truitt to be reelected, which is an odd situation. But we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. I use a little bit a lot lately, apparently. I'm going to use a little bit more as the day progresses. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Before we went to the break, and I appreciate the shout out on Twitter and also uh, f- folks that are that are texting me right now that are out there listening in WBT world. Now, it amazed me. The Josh Stein thing, it's not personal. It, it's, it's interesting to me that it's clear that the people around our aspiring governor, Josh Stein, none of this is a put down. They are sensitive to what they believe is a problem. It's not a put down. It's the reality. And, and I can sum it up. I can tell you, you can tell a lot about a candidate by what they are writing about, what they're concerned. You can see what, and with Democrats in particular, especially high-ranking Democrats, it's a consultant group think thing. Don't think for a minute that Biden is running the country. He's not. By every externality you can look at, he's not. It's a, it's a group thing. He, he won't do a, an interview. He wouldn't do the Super Bowl interview. He can't respond to questions at the podium. He's got the laxest schedule you've ever seen, more days on vacation. There's clearly a mental gap. And and we'll talk about that story a little bit later when he held this really indignant response. How dare the special counsel ask about his son's death? Well, he he got real indignant about it and put it out there. And, of course, all the Democrats run because Humpty Dumpty's been broken in a million pieces and the king's horses men and, and uh, apologists in Congress have to say, he's the greatest, he's so smart, he's amazing, smartest guy in the world. My God, he's a Mensa member. They just run out there and do that. It's a reflexive action. But you can tell by the things they talk about what they're concerned about. They are, they don't, and the way they act. And Biden not wanting to take questions, Biden not wanting to do an interview. These are, and this is the best it's going to get. But again, I distract myself. Let's go back over to Josh Stein. Josh Stein, not feeble, not mentally deranged, any of that stuff, no. The situation with Josh Stein is that he is someone from an elite family that had an elite upbringing. That, that Chapel, it's born in D.C., goes to Charlotte, then to Chapel Hill, goes to Chapel Hill High, which is like private school light, uh, goes to Dartmouth, goes to Zimbabwe, and then comes back and goes over to Harvard, where he graduates. Comes back to North Carolina, gets in politics shortly thereafter. He's in politics, and he's been in politics all of his adult life. So he can't. It's hard for him to relate. He hasn't had to go to the grocery store and do his own shopping. He hasn't had to go and pick out a car. He hasn't had to balance the budget and pay bills and worry that there's not enough money to pay things. He's not. He's inflation-proof, for lack of a better phrase. He doesn't live in the same world the rest of us live in. It's not, it's not bad or good. It's the reality of his life. And here's how you know that everything I just said is true. This was a tweet from February the 13th. The tweet from February 13th. Hi, it's Josh Stein. I'm currently serving as Attorney General of North Carolina and running to become our state's next governor. 
I was raised in North Carolina. I grew up going to public school here. I met my wife here. We raised our children here. He's having to tell you because he's not a normal, and I don't mean normal like, you know, psychologically speaking. I'm saying that he is not relatable to the vast majority of North Carolina. So he has to say, I grew up in public school here. Well, Chapel Hill, kind of. I met my wife here. Seems like a lovely young lady. Children, nothing wrong with his kids. But, he, but he's going out of his way to tell you this. And then he goes on to say, I love this state with my whole heart. It's where I've spent the past 23 years dedicated to public service. Wait a minute. Public service is not what it once was. Public service, a lot of times, is sacrifice. There was no sacrifice made by Josh Stein to be in public service. He was raised in an elite, an elite family. Now, I will say, first statewide elected Jew, and, and after what we've seen with Hamas and everything, I, I, I would love to see him post more about the Israeli situation, but he won't because he can't alienate his base. So stand with Israel, kind of. But I love this state. He has to tell you that he loves it with his whole heart because he's unrelatable to the vast majority of citizens in this state. North Carolina's at a crossroads, he says. We could either cave to far-right extremism, or we can come together and stand up for our values. But the entirety of his life has been focused on the left and, and, and being an elite, dealing with marginalized people as if he knows what's best for them. I am running to fully fund public schools. By the way, Dartmouth-Harvard, he's going to protect public schools, though. Protect women's reproductive rights. There's no woman that can't reproduce unless there's a medical reason she can't reproduce. They're allowed to reproduce. I love that's another poll-tested phrase that you'll see Governor Cooper and Democrats use. They want to say they're protecting reproductive rights. And what they're actually doing is predicting termination of reproductive rights is what they're doing. They want to keep people safe. I don't know that there's any intrinsic when, when, when the left wants to create sanctuary cities. I don't think they're keeping people safe. Uh, by the way, will not uh, Josh Stein, I've asked, I've asked members of the media, why don't you ask Josh Stein? Because other governors across the country and candidates are weighing in on the southern border. Our aspiring governor and existing governor will not comment on the southern border situation. They've commented not a word. He wants to bring down costs for families, will not comment on the ridiculous inflation we're experiencing, won't comment on the Biden policies that have led to uh, consumer consumers spending less money, prices rising, the inflationary pressures that, that, that all of the spending has wrought, will not comment on that. This is a problem. This is where media will not ask Josh Stein the tough question, so he just gets to go out and say, I'm one of you. I touched a cow, and I liked it. To, to paraphrase Katy Perry, I guess. Just funny. It's just Josh. I'm Josh Stein. I'm running. I'm one of you. I really am. I'm one of you. I've, I'm, I promise I'm going to live in a van down by the river to prove it. By the way, Chris Farley's 60th birthday today, that famous van down by the river skit. Anyway, not the skit, but him, had he lived. Uh, just fascinating stuff that's going on. The electoral, the electoral process, especially in North Carolina, is, is always always rife with potential entertainment value now when we come back from the break i want to get to, i was going to open this with a monologue but the josh stein stuff just was cracking me up so much i figured i'd get it out there to you guys if you'd like to get in on the conversation it's 704-570-1110 704-570-1110 love you guys you're always well chad adams your guest host sitting in for pete counter should be back tomorrow it's always a pleasure to sit here at the wbt microphones and we'll get to the monologue in the second thing and it's about it's about victim victim ideology. And I'm not, not going to bore. I promise it's not boring. I promise you it's not. 
but it helps us keep in perspective things moving forward as we head closer to November and the media starts having, you know, knee-jerk reactions to everything that happens in all the court cases and everything else. And many more subject matters to get through today, including the the Iraqi, the Iranians now own Antarctica, apparently. Good afternoon, folks. Chad Adams here at the microphone. No, do not adjust your radio. You are listening to News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Yes, this is the Pete Callender radio program. It's just me sitting in for Pete today. If you want to get in on that conversation, it's 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. Always a pleasure, always an honor. And man, the best audience in North Carolina and the best reach, most impactful station in the state. Always, 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 and, and doing a great job. And I, I mentioned in the previous segment that, that I wanted to get into a little bit about kind of the concept of, of an ideology of victimhood. You see it more and more, and if you're looking for the sheer divisiveness in the country, you can ascribe it to individuals. You know, the left likes to say that Donald Trump is divisive, but he's only divisive to the in a way that the people attack him. It, it, the resulting attacks, the, the 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 fake attacks on him from an impeachment standpoint that were not worthy of impeachment, diminished the entirety of impeachment in general. Those were those were. Those were divisive. Attacks on him were divisive. He can say things you disagree with. That doesn't mean it's divisive. Divisive is when you launch into these crazy... He goes through life 70-some or 60-some-odd years, 70 years, actually, no, no real, no indictments, and then, then he chooses to run for president again, and there's 91 indictments almost instantly. Boom. Just And I'm not... That's not an extolling the virtues of Donald J. Trump. It's not extolling his virtues. It's recognizing the oddity of an, and an abruptness with the political mechanizations that are seeking to not allow him to be a choice for you. Four people in Colorado were able to get him removed from the ballot in Colorado to the point that it had to go to the Supreme Court. Four. Not four million. Not four thousand. Four. And... And the other cases just erupting New York, D.C., Georgia, in these theaters of operations, it's, it's political lawfare. It is, a, it is to extract revenge, to not allow him. Nothing has represented breaking the system like Trump. I, I hope that there's 50 more Trumps out there. Not that he is the greatest example of humankind, but, but, but one of the few, if, if the only person in my memory, other than Reagan maybe, that represented the breaking of the system in a way that that is significant and profound to say no to to change the paradigm now did he complete the job no could he have done more yes was it perfect no but no one's done it before i mean he was a pioneer with respect to standing up to them that in and of itself is is recognizable i mean it's it's a, it's a before and after event that shook up everyone in dc and and a lot of people that were very just comfortable with the way it were and yes, I said that intentionally. Now, I say that because the left seems to be enamored. You know, they're against the MAGA. Think about what that means. It's they call everyone who's MAGA an extremist. Make America great again, literally. The, the concept of American exceptionalism, self-reliance, these are somehow bad these days. But expressing a victim mentality is somehow good. And I say that because I do think the country is magnificent. I do think it has significant flaws. I do think the situation at the border is horrific. I do think our foreign policy is in shambles. And I do believe that we're kind of at each other's throats because common sense has left 
the stage. And I think the frustration people feel when you when everybody else can look at Biden and see there's a problem there, and people like Maxine War Waters and Eric Swalwell and Corey Bush and the others say, he's fine, he's an intellectual giant. It, it you're so frustrating you have that, you know, Homer Simpson, Bart Simpson moment where he's choking him. You just can't you just can't reconcile that. But it has a lot to do with this victim mentality that the left is putting up there. And if you think about what a victim mentality is, let's go down to the base, 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 base level. A victim mentality means that you see everything in your world as an expression of something that happened to you and didn't just happen to you in this lifetime. It happened to you lifetimes ago in other people's lifetimes. And so when you when you live in that ideology, and it's, it's, it's pervasive. It's across different races and cultures and sexes and sexual preferences, I guess. But when you live in that, when you live in that world, when that is your worldview, well, Tanshong, for lack of a better word, this worldview, when you live there, you see everything through that prism. So when you don't get the job that you want, it's not your fault. It's somebody else's. When bad things happen to you, it's not your fault. It's somebody else's. When... Anything happens to you in life, you can always blame somebody else. You never, ever have to accept responsibility for what has occurred to you. And, and that when that takes root, the, own, the net result of that mentality is hatred. Because there's a, there's a, a sense, uh, it's based in vengeance. Because you believe that if only you could take it out on somebody else, it would atone for your victimhood, whether it be reparations or, or race or sex or, or punishment of someone else, of some group. If you could punish another group, somehow it would make things right in your life, and it never will. It is the root of most of our divisiveness, is victim ideology. It's this ideology that there's a group, you're all disenfranchised because of something that happens somewhere else. Now, what it also negates, what it also negates is, and, and Mary, I want to get to you. So just, uh, I tell you what, I'm going to go to Mary's call. I'll get back to this because Mary, you took the time to call. Mary, you want to talk about the North Carolina governor's race. What's on your mind? Uh, yes, I wanted to say something about Josh Stein. I called him several times on different issues, and I say, sir, what are you going to do about it? He said, nothing. And I said, well, you're attorney general. He said, I don't care. He said, I don't feel like doing it. I'm not going to do it. Sorry. Wait, wait, yeah, yeah, Mary, how did you get, Mary, how did you get to a personal phone call with Josh Stein? That's pretty hard to do, to get up through the AG's well, office. Well, I called the Attorney General's office, and okay, uh, there I we think go. I spoke to him, and I asked him uh, if he would do something about it. He said no. I said, but you're Attorney General. He said, I don't care. He said, I don't feel like doing it. Not going to do it. And, that, and he did that on another time. So if this is how he does with Attorney General, how do you think he's going to do as governor? I think he's going to be just like Biden. He doesn't care. He's the ruler, and the rest of you can go to hell. And that's kind of his attitude. So if you get him, I don't care who you are, uh, he, that's his attitude. And if you want that, I'm almost ready to say if he gets wins, I'm about ready to move to South Carolina where they have common sense. I don't know. <laughs> Well, there's a, there's a governor's race, and people have a choice. And, you know, if you disagree, then you can go out and, and help other folks win. I mean, he's not a foregone conclusion. And, you know, it's hard to – look, I've been around Stein enough. I would, I'm not going to say that what happened with Mary didn't happen. I'm not calling her out on that. But I, I do know him well enough to know how pragmatic he and Cooper are with the words they use. 
And I, anyway, but be that as it may, they've, it's, and I'll talk about the polling numbers that are problematic for Stein later on when we finish up this segment. I mean, not this particular segment because I've got to finish this. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. You would like to get on the conversation. It's 704-570-1110, Chad Adams, your guest host. When we went to the break, uh, we'd had a caller, but I, I, callers are always going to come first, kind of the thing that I do. Love callers because then they can't say, oh, you wouldn't take my call. I'll take your call. We'll take your call, I should say, and uh, appreciate the folks on the board making it sound so good. We talking about a victim mentality and this this victim ideology that has become such a divisive force, and uh, it's the divisive force in our country today. It's 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 not the news. The news likes to fan it and you know and get you all ginned up, and and folks on the right let it anger them in a way that's not always productive, but folks on the left pedal pedal this victimhood as an excuse for not doing responsible things because you know, they, they think, well, I can't get a job because of insert whatever victim group you think you're part of. You know, I can't do this because of whatever. And, and, and anything that happens to you is it's always something else. Now here's the reality for all of you. I don't care what your political beliefs are. This is a reality check is that every life is in many ways drudgery. I don't care what your wealth status is or your color of your skin. Life is tough. You know, I, I had friends that were wealthy. One of my friends in high school, very wealthy, comes home. His dad commits suicide in the bathtub at home. There's no way that incident doesn't impact them. It's a horrible thing to have happen. Horrible things happen to good people. They're children from all classes of society that cancer or kids with cancer or genetic issues. It's not, it's not easy for anyone. Money makes things better. It's, I, I mean, when I have dinner with people who, who have means, it's always interesting because they have trials and tribulations too across political ideologies, across racial ones, sexual ones, sexual preference ones. I mean, my wife is fond of saying she thinks God has a tremendous sense of humor because of the differences in how women and men just suffer, just the existence. I mean, guys get, get hop in the shower, go, they're ready to go out in 10 minutes. Women have to get ready. They have to accessorize, they have to shoes, all that stuff, hair, makeup. And then, you know, that, that wonderful, wonderful menstrual cycle they have to put up with, you know, for 35, 30 years of their life. Man, if anyone had a right to say they were victims, it'd be women, wouldn't it? Just the genetic nature of being a woman, it's tough. I'd be horrible. But this victim mentality in, in a, is anathema to America. We didn't, in, in colonial times, we didn't look at the world's most powerful force, the, the British army at the time, the empire, for lack of a better phrase, and say we're, they were just victims of it. They actually stood up to it. They, they, they put together in writing the, the reasons why they felt they were, things weren't going so well. In the Declaration of Independence, then they draw up a constitution. They break away, they create rules, and move forward. And they didn't say, oh, woe is us. But they, they, when you make fun of those people, when you make fun of those founding fathers, you have to realize that they committed an act of treason, the likes of which would have left them at the end of a rope had they been caught. Had that war not gone the way it did, they would be hanging from the end. Surely, you know, we better hang together or we'll all hang separately, as Franklin is attributed to have said. 
about the colonials. So next time you make fun of them, for you, you lefties out there that want to make fun of a bunch of white men that created kind of the basis for free nations in a constitution, remember they were willing to die for it. And I don't think a lot of the victims today, the victim mentality, I would be willing to die for that belief structure. They, they just want to blame somebody else. And by the way, the Kansas City shooter that just occurred, uh, it looks like it was a, a gang dispute uh, or a, a, a bad transaction that got out of hand and left 22 people shot, one dead. Yeah, but the news, notice how the news media, it, 22 people shot. The news media, it's a big story, and then they find out who the shooters are, and the story kind of dies away. Because it didn't fit a narrative that they wanted, it, 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 it from a racial standpoint or a ideology standpoint, it just didn't fit the narrative. So that went away. But there are the story still out there. You can find out about. It. You'll hear more about it. But the the victim, but the victim mentality doesn't sell. It's very un-American, and the, there's no reality in which everyone doesn't have a tough life. It, it, it is tough. You're not going to get the, every job you want. You're not going to get every relationship you want. Your relationships you do get are probably going to go bad sometimes. You're going to have disagreements with your friends, your family. You're going it, to it, life is a challenge. You're going to stub your toe. You're going to wreck a car. You know, and there's something out there that's waiting to get you. Of the 168,000 ways to die, one of them there's a number on it for all of us. I don't believe it's predestined. Some people do. You know what? You can believe whatever you want. The point is, don't practice. Don't believe in an ideology that diminishes others and grants excuses for you. You are responsible for you. I don't care where you come from. You're responsible for you. You have to own your mistakes. You have to own your shortcomings. You have to overcome those. Life is tough. It's going to hit you hard. You got to hit back. Doesn't mean hit people. It means hit back for yourself. Now, we're going to take a break in a second. Second hour is getting ready to be underway. Much more to go uh, today and several more stories to get to. I hadn't gotten to the Iraq asserting that it owns Antarctica and also the, na- the, no- nation of, uh, the notion of breaking and bombshells and bigger, biggest scandal ever. Much more to go here on the Pete Callender Radio Show. I'm Chad Abs, your guest host. We'll be right back after this. 